is Cassie, and welcome to the official podcast for the Network for Social Democracy in Asia, where we break down social and political issues and discuss progressive policies through the lenses of human rights, equality, and justice. You can listen to the podcast on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and Radio Public. Hello, my name is Carlo and I'm sitting in for Cassie and welcome to the official podcast of the Network for Social Democracy in Asia. Our guest this episode will help us to talk about uh, the topic on winning elections and how to affect change. He is the current head of the international relations of the Nasdem Party. He's also one of the founding members of the National Democratic Organization. He also currently sits as a member of the executive board of the Progressive Alliance and is also a member of Parliament of the Republic of Indonesia and also one of the founding members of Sokben Asia. Let's all give a welcome to Mr. Martin Manurong. Martin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Carlo. How are you? Uh, doing well. How about you there in uh, Indonesia? Yeah, we're striving against this pandemic. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're all trying to manage right uh, the situation that's happening right now. Yep. So, so Martin, let's uh, head straight to the discussion. No? Since, um, as we all know, you're a member of um, a member of the parliament. Uh, for those familiar also with Sokdem Asia, and of course, you're of Nasdem Party, you're and also familiar with your work. You're also a long-time uh, activist, a long-time uh, progressive and politician, also in the, in the political arena in Indonesia. But I think, let's yeah. before we, we discuss some of these uh, issues, maybe can you give us a, maybe a brief story of how you trace your activism, basically your journey in politics in, in how it started? Yes, Carlo. I think um, for... Uh, those who are active in, in social democratic movements uh, have known that I have been active since my early youth. And um, actually, I, was, I have been a, a political party member since I was 17 years old. But not Nasdem though, because Nasdem was, is just now nine years old. And it's been in my blood and my passion to be active in many political movements especially during the Suharto regime, the New Order regime, where uh, we, have to, we had to face an authoritarian government. And those times was like, uh, not many people, you know, uh, can, 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 can voice openly uh, in, in the political arena, in social political arena. And, you know, uh, until now we have, uh, we have problems of, uh, you know, unfinished, yeah, um, unfinished business with, with all the human rights abuses during the Suharto regime, including many disappearances that happened during the Suharto regime. So, uh, what I mean is, uh, those times was was very challenging to be active in politics. But yet, uh, I, I think I was born in the right time. Because uh, during when I was student activist, that was when the reformasi movement. I think uh, many people in in the world also have known that in 1998 we toppled the Suharto regime, the New Order regime. The students occupied the parliament building. This building that I'm sitting now was occupied by student movements during that time, wow. and we pushed uh, President Suharto to resign. So uh, there, there, there ha you know, there were many attempts to topple the Suharto regime, but that's why I said maybe I was born in the right time because at at that time uh, the student movements could uh, gather their strength in many. Although we came from many groups, but we can we could be united in one front and then uh, successfully uh, topple the Suharto regime. And apart from that. Uh, simultaneously, uh, apart from being a student activist, I, I was also active in, in social democratic, regional, and international network. So during that time, I was with Makris also uh, from Akbayan, uh, our friends uh, from DAP like Lu Chintong, 
uh, we established the Young Progressives in Southeast Asia, which is like the early start of Sokdim Asia. So at yes. that time, uh, we were, you know, young people and many were still students. And we know that we need to form a network where we can share our experiences and also maybe uh, exchange ideas how to implement, you know, reform, how to implement progressive changes in our countries, especially in Southeast Asia. For our listeners, no, um, Macris is the current uh, head of the network of Sokdem Asia and Liu Chin Tong is one of the leaders of the DAP, a social democratic party yes. in Malaysia. Yes. So you can really say you're, you're one of the, well, one of the founders really of the modern social democratic movement, at least here in, in the region, no? <laughs> One of the founding fathers, okay. if no, you can say uh, that, <laughs> or at it's least, actually, yeah. Uh, it's 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 actually uh, you know uh, based on our uh, thinking that at that time uh, many international networks, progressive international network, was not uh, actively operating. Mm. So like in a vacuum condition. So uh, especially in our region in Southeast Asia and also Asia. Social democracy is still, you know, uh, uh, viewed, you know, as, as uh, you know, uh, uh, has, you know, some kind of communist elements. Mm -hmm. And communism, like in Indonesia, is, 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 is a bad word, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I think, uh, but we, we, we realize that, you know, if you, if you want to foster change, if you want to foster social justice, if you want to, to have your you know, your government yeah, involved in increasing the social welfare. The only way is the social democratic way. So at that time, uh, we try to campaign social democratic ideas, um, you know, uh, to step aside the negative uh, black campaign against social democratic movement as part of the communism, for example. And that's why we established the Young Progressive in Southeast Asia. And then uh, uh, after that time, when we were, you know, in our political party, we, 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 how can I say, we become more active and our political parties get bigger. And then we think, why not we repeat, you know, what we have started during our youth, but now it's, you know, it involves, uh, political parties that we are active in. So that's why we established the Sokdem Asia. And then we try to invite, uh, we try to invite uh, many countries, more countries also to our network. And uh, in fact, Sokdem Asia has, you know, uh, established uh, like, like not a branch, but like a, a caucus, a more focused uh, network like in South Asia. And now the political parties in South Asia, like India, Nepal, they have their own network also based on uh, what we did in Sokim Asia. Yeah. And internationally, when we were when we were you know uh, developing the Sokim Asia, uh, there's changes also in the international network, mm -hmm. uh, the establishment of progressive alliance. So it's like a coincidence, but it happens at the same time. Sokim Asia is becoming more active. And then uh, our friends in Europe, our friends in in America, also you know uh, want to establish a new network of progressive political parties, and that's why Progressive Alliance also was born. And so the Asia become uh, one of the active members of, of of Progressive Alliance. So that that's the the the, the story of my activism, I think, in, in politics and also in the international network. Now. Martin, you talk about you know your involvement as a youth activist, but now you're all of course you're a very distinguished and accomplished politician as a public servant in Indonesia. I think I like to focus on that that you know it's not a it's not a common pathway for a politician to come from the ranks of a youth activist or from really some social yes. democrat. I'm, I'm, you... I'm a minority here. <laughs> I hope you won't be anyway. I, I, just now, maybe in the future, you'll be part of a. But yeah, focusing on that, you know, what motivated you, you know, from as a activist? Because I could imagine that at that time, during the period of Soharto, you know, a politician, the word politician is a dirty word. Yeah. And as, as an activist, what motivated you as a social democrat, as an activist to 
you know, eventually join formal politics, enter elections. What what drove you to join it? Yes, uh, what I have realized since since my early youth that political party, you know, is 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 one of the foundations of our democracy. So if we want to foster democracy, we want to to make our democracy more, you know, uh, progress. Then uh, the only way is to be active in a political party, because uh, when you are active in political parties, then you have your uh, you, you can develop your network, and then you can um, you can also make your ideas come true, you know, because political parties can appoint someone in the government, can you know have uh, representatives in the in the in the House of Representatives, can also nominate. Uh, someone to be governor, you know, mayors or even president. And these people are the people who make policies. So if we want to make uh, social democratic ideas become, you know, uh, part of your country's agenda, then you have to be active in, in political party. But what I, what I saw, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've said earlier that I've been a member of political party since 17 years old, but I also faced a problem in, 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 in Indonesia's political party. Indonesia's political party, you know, because uh, the old established party, there have been decades yeah, uh, in Indonesian political landscape, they have like some kind of bottleneck problem also. You know, uh, it is hard for young people to, to achieve, uh, you know, positions or to, to to climbing the ladder, because there there are so many people in the in in you know the in the up in the upper part of the ladder. Yeah. So uh, it also makes your ideas become like uh, strange, you know, alienated in the political elite. So that's why when Pak Surya Palo, the chairman of Partai Nasdem, uh, gather you know young people uh, for exchanging ideas. And then we also promote the idea if we can have a new political party. And the challenge, the challenge was so big because uh, NASDEM is still the only new political party that can enter the Indonesia political arena. Until now, in the last elections, uh, the second election of NASDEM, uh, we had already four political parties, but none of them could enter the you know the parliament so in indonesia political landscape it is still you know uh, many barriers for new political parties to enter the parliament so nasdem is still the only new political party in this building and uh, uh, we are very thankful that from our two elections nasdem is is the biggest uh, political parties who can win seats so mm -hmm. You know, not the not the number one, not the winner of the election, but the difference, the the number of seats that we achieve, it we are the uh, we we are the the only political party who can achieve uh, the the first election was uh, 36 votes, the second election is 59, so it's like what uh, 23 seats. No no political party can achieve 20 the increase of 23 seats. Uh, from one election to the yeah, it's a, it's the a very one. impressive very impressive number no? yeah so martin you you touched upon this already about um, the challenges you faced when you were uh, a young activist a social democrat of course there was a uh, i would say um, stigma to social democracy but also being a member of uh, a new relatively new party you know coming up joining the election alongside this new i, I mean more established parties can you Share a more like uh, your own personal story and how you ent you how you entered uh, when you were entering you were running for for office. Could you cite like uh, you know specific examples the kind of challenges you had to face as a well as a social democrat as a basically an outsider? What were kind what were the kind of challenges that you had to surmount? Yeah, so I think my uh, in in the case of my election, I have two big challenges. First is the NASDEM party, because it's a new political party. We have to get bigger. Otherwise, 
you know, Nasdem will not be influential as now. The second one is how for myself to achieve the seat, how to win the, the election. And when I see, you know, when I was uh, inaugurated last year and I see this building, you know, during the inauguration, I can see that 80% of uh, MPs in Indonesia are related, you know, either with business or with uh, families of, you know, uh, mayors, families of yeah. governors, you know, public officials. So when I see myself, I was like, oh my God. So this is, uh, you know, the, the field that I'm entering to. Uh, we have activity here in, in, in this building, but very, very small percentage. I think uh, maybe from, from 575 seats in the national parliament, maybe only 10 or 15, you know, uh, MPs that come from activist background. So not many of us. And I think um, that's the challenge that the first time when I entered this building and I was like, okay, this is, this is, a, this is not an easy task. And then uh, also Nasdem party commissioned me to be vice chair of commission six. So, so we have 11 commissions in this building in the Indonesian parliament and commission six handle industry, trade, investment, uh, state-owned enterprises. Yeah, so uh, very economically related. Yeah. And when I was, you know, uh, appointed to be vice chair of Commission Six, I think from from all the eleven commissions in this building, I'm the first. I'm the only one, you know, the first timer that directly become a leader of a commission. So I was like, okay, this is like a jungle, and I'm, and I dedicated myself the first year. I want to understand all the things happen in this building in only one year, so I can work in another four years. So wow, this is, a... yeah, this is this is like um, challenging time for me as a as a newbie in this building, and a newbie that directly become a leader of a commission. Wow, it's it's a very interesting story that or journey that you've also underwent, no? As a yes, as as mentioned earlier, as an activist, now you're chair as of one of the one of the committees in in. What's what's your advice for you know progressives entering politics? It's the the playing field is really not built for progressives or or activists. So how do you tell them you know don't lose hope, but yeah. Um, keep faith in you know we can still affect change even in with whether inside uh, outside but also in inside government and how do you do it? Yes, so I think in terms of winning election, for example, that's that's how I'm going I'm going to start. For the first election of uh, that that Nasdem is participating, uh, Nasdem successfully achieved as a new political party that can enter the parliament, but I lost the election. That's in 2014. But uh, when I lost the election, I realized that, you know, winning an election is, is like a whole different story. Mm. You know, uh, if, if, I, if I see myself as an activist, but winning election is more than that. So I didn't, I didn't leave my constituents at that time, although I, I lost the election, but I keep working. And I think if I can have, if, if I can give advice to those who want to, you know, to win election, is do your strategy in micro-targeting. So don't see your constituents, don't see your society as one bundle, you know. Mm -hmm. Your constituents, uh, they are, you know, they are, uh, members of many small groups mm -hmm. and this small group each of these small group they have also their own aspiration they have also yeah. you know yeah so we have to deal one by one and we have to be patient we have to be patient how to how to get all of them together to support you so what I'm saying is uh, it takes especially if you are an activist and you are not you know, a child of a governor or 
or a child of a mayor, and you don't have enough money, you have to work 100 times harder than those people who have money or you know people who are who are member of of uh, public officials yeah. uh, in in the office. So I think uh, many small groups micro targeting. You deal with each of them and try to to try to bring them all together in one big idea. So you know what I mean. So yeah. the the way is bottom up. You cannot do top down. So you can't have like one big idea and make all people believe in it. No, but you have to go to each of them, listen to them, each small groups, and then make uh an analysis how to bring all of them together in one in one theme mm -hmm. so it's 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 really basically also doing your homework no among your yes. constituents you really have to identify the specific interests that they have but yes. but but i suppose that's your work as a activist as a as a progressive really prepared you for that kind of uh electoral yes, struggle of course. yeah of course so my work as an activist give me, you know, uh, many experiences how to how to communicate, how to uh, deal with each of the problems, and how to make, you know, um, uh, all these different interests can have one big uh, theme that we can fight for. Now, Martin, you already touched upon this, you know, about how, how to campaign. You, you've already given us a very invaluable lesson on this. Can you describe us in your specific campaign when you were running for office? Um, in your specifically in your constituency, how did you were how were you able to 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 target your specific voters? Um I'm I'm not familiar with your specific constituency, but for example, if it was a rural vote, how would you target a rural vote or Let's say specific uh, demographic. How did you, how did you do that, and how would how what kind of uh, learnings did you get from that? Yeah, my my election district is is very unique. First, uh, it is the 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 only district that has uh, nineteen regencies or you know municipalities. Mm -hmm. So. Because in, in every regency, uh, we have few population or we, we have mm -hmm. few voters. So it is very different uh, with, for example, uh, constituencies in Java. So in Java, for example, like uh, Kabupaten Bogor itself, it's one district. But in my constituency, it's 19 uh, municipalities or 19 cities. So I think... Uh, that's 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 the challenge, and many of the many of the municipalities are rural. So I okay. have I have to understand I have to understand what the issues that are faced by our farmers, by our fishermen, you know. Uh, from the 19 regencies, there are three cities. So I have to understand also issues of uh, people in the cities, you know, labor. So. Um, for example, we have also strong, um, uh, strong aspiration from the indigenous people because, uh, you know, of the rural uh, uh, constituency. So many we have we have many agrarian problems in our in my district. Many ag agrarian problems based on um, indigenous people rights. So when you know big companies come and claim their their land, and it is the land of their ancestors, so this is like a common problem. So uh, in one of my, so as one of my struggles is I promised to indigenous people groups that none of them will uh, prom will will ah uh, them will promote the draft of indigenous people. Uh, law, and now it is already uh, being, you know, done in the parliament, and we have plenty of challenges to have this law become, you know, enacted. 
Uh, until now, Nasdem is the only political party that uh, initiate this law, and we it's been five uh, plenary sessions that this law is actually, you know, when uh, when 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 uh, when the parliament wants to have uh, initiative in in making law in drafting a law, and then it has to pass the pl the plenary session. So until now, it has been five plenary sessions, and we still we are still not able to make this law present in the plenary session. So it is very challenging. But uh, I have promised to to my my supporters that are you know come from indigenous people that we will fight for this law to mm. you know to yeah. to to be uh, to be enacted in this period in these five years. So that's uh, I think one of the micro targeting also and we also uh, deal with uh, many issues that are based on freedom of religion in my constituency so uh, i have to to be active in in advocating the problems of uh, freedom of religions mm -hmm. and also problems of agrarian problems so Actually, you have to be present in your constituency. You have to be active, and you have to deal in each of the problems. So you really so have to, yeah. You really have to invest your time and uh, yes. effort, focus, no, on yes. in the issues of the of your constituency. So a while ago, you were mentioning, you know, you're targeting different constituencies. You had micro-targeting, micro you have different messages for them. But in your experience, when you were running for public office, what, what was your overall message uh, in your campaign that was able to you know, secure your victory? Yeah. So I think the, uh, the problems of the people with their representative is very classic. When a representative is elected and then they are not present with their problems, so uh, I think, but you have to have also your your track record, you know, in in dealing with the people's problem. Otherwise, uh, the people will, you know, cannot see the the. Uh, otherwise, the people cannot see the consistency, you know, of yourself, both as a politician as and as an activist. So I have been active in my constituency since I was like in high school, when um, when a big factory, uh, for example, 20 years ago, when a big factory uh, violated the human rights of the people, I was there. And when the Suharto regime also suppressed uh, my church, uh, it's the biggest church in Indonesia, and also in my constituency. I was there when the military also uh, come to one of our churches and take over the leadership of the churches. I was there also to fight for the people. So I think uh, based on those track records that I was there, that I, I, I have been with the people. So then uh, it's relatively easier for me to, to convince my micro-targeting groups that I'm going to be there for them. You know, and I think that's what I'm trying to prove also uh, that, you know, my promise, my general promise is first, I'm going, I'm going to be a working MP. So not like an MP that come to you every five years. I am with you for the whole five years. Yeah. And then second, I said, I am trying to be. Uh, a politician that will not shame you, you know, like getting involved in dirty politics uh, and also bribery, for example. So that's my promise to the to my constituency. And then every time they have problems, they can contact me and I will help them. So I think um, uh, if you if you want to make this, you know. Uh, uh, this strategy is what I was doing, then you have to have also a good track record. So the people will see the consistency of what you're saying and what uh, you have been doing. Yeah. So in, in, 
in a, in a way, if I could, you know, just uh, further elaborate, it, your activism, your presence in the community was really what what you were banking on. That was really what you were known for, and yeah. I guess that was what really people voted you for. They really had trust in you, as you know, as you said, you were very much part of the struggle of the people in your yes. constituency. Yes. So actually, after I was uh, inaugurated in the parliament, so I had a gathering in my district, in my constituency. And then I, I told them, uh, in, you know, in the parliament, there are 575 seats and 80% of them are elected because first, they have business or they have money. Second, because they are family of public officials. And I am not, I don't have to, you know, I, I don't have uh, money. I don't have, I'm not a son of like a governor mm -hmm. or a husband of a governor. That's, you know, that's not me. So I said to them, so I realized that I am now in the parliament building. It's because of you, because you voted for me. So like I said during my campaign, I will work for you because you make me here, not my father, you know, not my money, or not my wife, or not my family. Now, Martin, it's a very, very inspiring story, but also a very, you know, a very, uh, very good source for lessons, especially for progressives running for office. Your case as a, you know, as an example of a very, very successful politician who came from the ranks of the activists. Now, also, you know, as we were talking about your your candidacy, you, you were, you've also been part of a lot of um, election campaigns of other candidates, national, local, no? Um, uh, as from what we know, you, you were part of the, you were part of the presidential campaign of the president, uh, current president Jokowi, no? And you were very much involved in it. Can you talk more about that and, you know, how, how was the processes in your work in the involvement in, in those kind of national campaigns? Yeah, I think um, the, the one that also make it easier for me because NASDEM is also nominating President Jokowi. Mm -hmm. And President Jokowi is very popular also in my constituency. So we have problems in, in districts that are, you know, when Jokowi is not popular, like in Aceh, like in West Sumatra, in Riau, you know, Nasdem lost seats there. So I think I'm lucky that uh, in my constituency, President Jokowi is popular. And the unifying theme, because President Jokowi is also, uh, you know, bring bring about the theme of freedom uh, of religion, freedom of speech, and also uh, social agenda, like um, uh, social safety net uh, policies that, you know, has, has been started during, during President Jokowi. So I think um, in terms of that, I can work more, you know, more easy or easier. I can work easier how to work with President Jokowi as a national campaign team and also how to advocate also my campaign. So uh, I don't have difficulties in that, but I think uh, for our candidates in the prof in you know in provinces that President Jokowi is not popular, it's it's not it, it's a very uphill climb for them. <laughs> I can mm. pity them for that. Yeah, that's 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 really going to be you know you're going to be tested as a campaigner in that, no? Yes. Um, yes. yes. So since we've already discussed, you were part of those campaigns. Can you also give us maybe a, for our for our listeners, what were the kind of lessons that you were, you know, that you picked up as a campaigner? You know, for how many years you've already been part of uh, politics, whether as an activist but also as a as part of election campaigns. What? What are the lessons that you picked up as a modern campaigner, as a as part of modern campaigning that you think all campaigners should learn? First, it is a result of hard work and not a short time. So for myself, uh, for example, after I lost the 2014 election, it took nine years for me to win this election. So nine years can be said very long, but not very long, but not a short time. And the second one is you have to 
also work for your political party because it is it it will make you harder to come to your constituency when your political party doesn't have you know the same legacy or doesn't have the same ideas doesn't have the same image that you're bringing yeah for example you can't have social democratic agenda and run from i don't know a conservative party you know it will make your constituency uh, blur yeah so i think you have to work also for your political party and in indonesian context because we have the same election the same date of election for president presidential election and also for house of representatives then your political party must nominate also a presidential candidate that have many similarities with your political party's agenda you know so if uh, and yourself i mean how can you promote yourself when your party is nominating someone as president that have like totally different a uh, whole of ideas so it it will make difficult so i think those three uh, levels you have to you have to make the three of them come together in your work in your campaign so you've already mentioned these um three at least three lessons that you think are very important for all campaigners no i think these are what you would say across the board no but you know yes. given the modern changes in campaigning right now changes in technology as a campaigner uh-huh. yourself and as a politician what are what do you think are the new lessons that we have to take like uh, of course there are changes in technology I think, what's the Carlo, new things that, i i know what you mean uh, many people uh, it's very busy to find tools you know uh like using social media or using facebook or using twitter as your campaign i mean those are tools that you can use yes but you know they cannot replace the work you know the real work in your constituency mm-hmm. so you have to start from the beginning if you want to campaign if you want to run for an office ask yourself how do you work in your constituency you know and then uh in terms of technology it will it will complement your work so it is hard for me to imagine someone can win election only because they are popular in facebook for example mm-hmm. yeah or maybe because they are popular in youtube yeah for example uh we had many artists that run for parliament but very few they are elected in in this building so it's not about only popularity it's also how to make your presence yeah uh, can be you know manifested in your constituency so start from there and then you can think of you know modern campaigning you can think of using zoom or you can think of using facebook youtube etc etc yeah yeah and for myself uh i have quite a number of followers in my facebook about 140,000 but i don't think it is the only way or i don't think it comes from uh, popularity only many of the majority of the 140,000 followers in my facebook for example they come from my constituency you can see that so i think it comes also from the work that we have been doing in the field not only uh social social uh media work you know what i mean yeah yeah i understand you know i was asking that question because of for two parts you know as yes. how do you navigate the new social media landscape but also another thing because there's a uh, i would say very relatively new phenomenon across mm-hmm. asia the issue on how do politicians navigate the world where there's a phenomenon of in Indonesia you call it hoax or fake news how do you has it changed how politicians or campaigners have to plan their strategy yeah i think uh, maybe it's more relevant for uh, election for executive offices because hmm. uh, when you run for an executive office like president governor or mayor 
you have uh, maybe two or three candidates or mm-hmm. four or five candidates but for an mp if you want to run for a parliament office i think uh, it is not like the the crucial issues mm-hmm. because in in terms of parliament office uh, election for example in my constituency in my district each political party has uh, 10 candidates mm-hmm. so in the last election there there were 20 political parties so 200 candidates 200 candidates run for for the office so i think uh, you cannot hoax this 200 candidates mm-hmm. you know so the only thing that people will see is your perception what your work you know when you say that you are going to work for them they have to see that manifested in in your lifetime how you involve with the people so i think um, for fighting hoaxes i agree but if you run for for a parliament office i think that's not the the biggest threat that's not the biggest threat mm-hmm. if you if you have uh, work if you have plenty of work in your constituency then it is your your biggest asset Now, we've already discussed, you know, issues of campaigns, uh, specifically your journey as a politician and also your experience as a campaigner, no? Um, since a lot of the people that, you know, listen to this podcast, many of them are young people, yes. you know, there's really this percept, there's perception, pervasive perception among young activists that politics is, uh, is either dirty or it's a game for, it's a elite, It's an elite game, you know. How do you change their perception on that? Especially in your case, well, at least in your case, you're able to disprove that that there is a chance for progressive to change politics. But how do you convince the general public that you know it can be, you can really clean it from the inside? Yeah, Carlo. I think first we have to realize that politics affected our life. So I I have seen many of. Uh, young people, they don't care about politics because they think that it is not theirs. But they have to realize that whatever they are doing, whatever you know, if they want more jobs, if they want more money, if they want more uh, social benefits, it is the results of politics. So you have to understand politics in order to make your life better. And the second one, I think, uh, politics. If you say politics is dirty, I'm I'm not saying that politics is clean. But if you say politics is, you know, something very ideal, it's not true. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying, politics is just like everything in your life. There's no black and white. Yeah. You know, you can't say that you know uh, there's no negative issues in your work, in your office, even in your house. You know, so the only you know, uh, as progressives, you have to understand what is the dark side of politics and what is the bright side of politics, and you have to strategize yourself between the two. Because if you want to win an agenda, yeah, a policy that you have to win, you cannot only be friended or you cannot only make coalition with only the white people or the you know the what and what the clean people clean yeah yeah you know you have you have to have also like influence or like you know uh, affections that can that can bring some of the some of the i know how can i say some of the dark side also supporting your idea mm-hmm. and that's i think that's the that's the art of politics and that's the art of social democracy Because social democracy believes in democracy, social democracy believes in parliament. You know, we are not like uh, we are not like a, a, a group of people that you know that want only one political party, right? In so in social democracy, we believe in pluralism. So when we are doing our you know uh, political strategy in the parliament, for example, 
that's when you know as uh, as was said many times the art of compromise so you know when you are advocating an idea you you know that it is impossible to have 100% of your ideas come true because you have to make some space for for compromise but you shouldn't lose your foundation you have to know which are the the crucial parts that you know you cannot lose but for this part you can compromise otherwise your agenda your issues you know your policies will not become true and it's very tiring yeah uh, you, you, since you already mentioned also about the issue on compromise now how as a politician as a progressive politician can you say there's a, is there such a thing as a good kind of compromise or and then there is there a kind of a bad kind of compromise how do you as a in your experience how do you balance that out i think um if i say a good compromise is when you are fighting for ideas mm-hmm. but bad compromise is when you are fighting for only you know interest interest in terms of money interest in terms of accumulating wealth your asset i think that's a bad compromise but if you want to advocate an idea if you want to make your policies come true i think it's a good compromise okay guys we're back here in the second part of our interview here with uh, Martin Manur a member of the Indonesian parliament and the progressive in, in Indonesia also uh, one of the founders of uh, Sokdem Asia uh, so uh, earlier we were talking with Martin about uh, about campaigns and you know his journey as a young activist and also what's the task for progressives entering government i guess Martin now I think the most the, the logical question we should be asking really is since we've already you're in 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 government what do you think is the real next work for progressives or social democrats now that you're in in government what's the big policy or initiative that we should be pushing for Yeah first is I think Indonesia has already started their social uh, benefit programs mm-hmm. and we have plenty of policies now that are uh, advocating uh, how to 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 make the econ- the the economy more balanced for example between the rich and the poor you know progressive taxes uh, social safety net health insurance for example but i think the problem now that we are facing is how to make this work to stabilize the agenda because i think uh like like many countries in the world that have started social agenda also and then it will affect the budget so now we have to find uh solutions we have to find uh strategies how the social agendas that have been implemented can can be more sustainable so that's the issues and the second one i think uh, is still related to how to make the government more effective because um uh it is it is some kind of like a trade off yeah between opening your democracy and effectiveness of your government so indonesia i think uh since we reform in 1998 we are still uh trying how to make democracy work and the government can also be effective so we have to we have to still see how to to make this two work in our law system so that I think that's the challenge ahead we don't want to get back to authoritarian regime we don't have to to set we don't have we don't want to have a setback in our democracy but in the same time also we want to make uh, the government is also effective in leading especially in these times of pandemic so that the two things that we have to find the balance and we have also many agendas to complement what we have already had for example uh, 
Nasdem is now initiating two bills that I explained earlier. First is the Indigenous Peoples Bill. The second is the Domestic Workers Protection Bill. Why we advocate this? Because uh, these two groups uh, of our society are still not recognized in our law system. So we have many agrarian problems with uh, indigenous peoples uh, against companies. So we have to also uh, find ways to, to, to protect, to acknowledge and to protect our indigenous peoples because we have many indigenous people groups in, in Indonesia, because Indonesia, you know, uh, is a very diverse country with many uh, ethnicities. And the second one I told earlier is Domestic Workers Protection Bill. So I think um, uh, Indonesia have plenty of uh, domestic workers that are not acknowledged in our uh, law of manpower. So I think we have to also uh, regulate the domestic workers protection bill. We have to define yeah, their rights. We have to protect their rights and we have to avoid abuses to domestic workers. Because how can we, how can we advocate our workers abroad? For example, that you know, we have been uh, having many issues for our uh, workers in in Malaysia, in Singapore, in Saudi Arabia, for example, how can we advocate them when we are not advocating them also in no. in domestically? So I think uh, uh, there are many also uh, groups that that have to be you know advocated, but I think this too is now uh, what Nasdem is is trying to achieve in this uh, period. It's it's really from looking from it, you no. Know, it's it's really a long road ahead pushing for this, uh, yes. for these bills, no. Yeah, um, long, long road, people, and not many people are in, interested. Yeah, <laughs> but I guess these are really the challenges for activists, you no, know, fighting for issues that not, you know, it's not sexy in a way, but you have to really make yes. it a mainstream. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We were already since we we're already discussing, you know, uh, some of these campaigns as a as a parliamentarian and of course in your party that you're pushing for. I guess the next question is, you know, part of that is really how do we strengthen our movements to be able to be equipped in pushing for these uh, child uh, in these campaigns and these battles. How do you suggest of strengthening our our movement? But specifically, how do you draw in more young people for? Um, progressive parties, how do we attract more of this? Because, you know, a lot of, as, as I earlier said, a lot of young people tune out, in, tune out of politics, but how do you make it more attractive for them since uh, given that you really need more youth participation in politics and specifically in our parties? Yeah, I think that's, that's also one of the questions that I have not found the exact answers also. But uh, from my experience, we have now the difference between the young, you know, the, the young people in during my time and now. I think uh, the young people now are more, in a way, more pragmatic. You know, they just care for uh, things that happen around them, you know, that affect directly to their lives. So I think when we are dealing with this kind of generation, we have to we have to find a way that progressive agenda is also among them you know it's not somewhere far from the young people and i think what i mean uh, we cannot we cannot afford yeah campaigning for for social agenda i mean young people now what they need is the future right how to secure their future and how to secure the future is when your country is opening more jobs it's when your country is you know uh, it's when your country is making sure that when you are sick and then you are not left behind it's when your country can protect you when you are doing your job you will not be dismissed 
without without you know uh, protecting your rights. But I think we have to find um, uh, you know an easier language you know to talk to them because I think it's also their concern. Now the young generation, for example, students when they when they finish their university times and then they have to find jobs. And how can they find jobs if the jobs are not there? When they have jobs, how can they make sure that their jobs is protected? You know, so I think uh, these are the issues that we have to campaign. And, and I think uh, we have to avoid uh, ideological or big, you know, or big language, you know, or big, big thing. Because the difference between my generation and this generation, in my generation, we are attracted to big things. You know, we read, we read big political ideas. We read books about, I don't know. We read books about uh, uh, big people, you know, or in history. You know, we read philosophy books. The current generation, I think, we there are very few of them that you know that care about these things. So we have to be more practical. We have to be more pragmatic, and we have to make sure that they know that the only way to have a secure future is when your country have a progressive agenda. Since we're already on the, on the subject, you know, for young people, mm. um, do you have any message, especially for young progressives who are similarly situated in your, uh, you know, young, mm. young politicians, not just in Indonesia, but across Asia who, you know, also were from young activist backgrounds are now in government or attempting to you know run for office do you have any mm-hmm. message for them that they can hold on to that kind of dream of uh, changing government from inside or changing society from the inside yeah i think uh, it's what i said earlier that politics is politics so there there are two different things about your activism and how to you know as a politician and how to activism and politician uh, and how to win election. So when you're, when you are in election and you want to win, that's what I said earlier, it's micro targeting. So you have to see your constituency in, in many small groups that have different interests and how to get all the interests come together and it meets in you as their hope. That's the one thing. And when you are now in, as a politician, when you are now in parliament building, I think you have to be able to to position yourself, yeah, uh, with your ideas. But you understand the realis the realism. You know, you, you understand the real politics. How to make compromise? How to bargain? How to make your ideas more attractive? And how to make more people come to you with, you know, to come to your idea. So I think it's uh, that's the thing that we you have to you have to play smart when you are when you are a politician. You you can't. I mean, when you're a politician, you're not you're no longer like you know uh, an NGO activist who can see this is white and this is black, and there's no such thing in politics as white and black. But you have to be able to position yourself without sacrificing your fundamentals. But you know that this is the way, this is the path, how to win your ideas step by step. You know, you can't win 100% uh, now, but you have to win it, for example, 30%, 40%, 50%. But the progress is there. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So, for example, like the two bills that... Nasdem is advocating. We we compromise also, and and we talk to the groups like like the Indigenous Peoples Bill. We talk to the Indigenous People groups that maybe you know with this last this, with this uh, list of demands, we cannot meet all of these demands in this law. Mm-hmm. But uh, which are the most important demands? And then we make like. Uh, uh you know we make a meeting and we agree on the on the on the most important demands and we try to keep this most important demands in the law so all the demands 
other than this most important demands is open for compromise. Yes, I guess I guess that kind of mindset is really important, you know, for young politicians to at the same time maintain the passion but don't get this illusion by the kind of yes. compromises that we have. Yes. Just see yes. it as integral of being progressives. You really have to that should be part of our toolkit, you know, in in pushing yes. for reforms. I guess last, you know, I guess this is one of the last questions I'll be asking, you know. It's it's uh, you really have a very storied Um, experience as a campaigner, as an activist, as a politician, as a public servant. So, I guess uh, much more. Um, the next question really is: uh, What's next for you as a public servant, as a as a member of a parliament? I think uh, I'm a new member of parliament, and what I've been experiencing in my first year. So, uh, next month is my. Next month will be my first year in office. Uh, I think wow. I still I lo- I know that I still have a lot to learn. And you know, in politics, the dirty games is there. And if if you don't understand all the games, then you will not be able to win your ideas. So uh, I think my challenge in my first year, I almost achieved it to understand all the games, whether they are dirty, whether they are not. You know they're clean, but I I must understand how the game is played in this building. So when I have ideas, you know, uh, for my promises to my constituency, I will I will be able to know how to make my ideas come true. How to how to know that you know if 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 someone is tricking me, and how to know if someone is really supporting my idea. So this is. This is really an interesting uh, part now that, that I'm really, you know, studying in this building now, in my first year. Wow. And uh, I think I'm any... going to be here. I'm, I'm not going to be dreaming now, for example, for an executive office. I want to be here. Yeah, you'll, of course, you'll, you'll be, uh, we're hoping that you'll stick, stay long in uh, the national consciousness of Indonesia. We really need more progressives, not as not just in Indonesia, but in other countries here in Asia, no? especially with what's yeah. happening now. We really need more social democrats and uh, progressives. So I guess the last question is, you know, do you have any final message for our listeners? As uh, You're one of the examples of those activists, uh, those progressives who entered government, entered into the halls of power, and are now doing these changes that we've all been advocating for. Yeah, my message is uh, especially for uh, the young people who listen to this podcast. Uh, you know, politics is is politics. Politics is is what makes things happen with your life. So I think whether you like it or not, whether you see politics as dirty or politics as as the game of elite. But you have to understand politics and be active. Don't be afraid of making mistakes because when you're young, you are you are entitled to make mistakes. And when you make mistakes, you learn from it. And then don't stop what you're doing. Because when you stop what you're doing, you're wasting a lot of time, you're wasting a lot of energy, you're wasting a lot of uh, money maybe because when you're doing your activist, activism, you... Must you know you must need some amount of money to to make your activities uh, implemented. So I think uh, don't give up, and then uh, you must understand how the game is played, uh, including politics, and keep doing what you're believing. One very important message that we have to keep in mind. Again, Martin, thanks again for joining us on this Thank episode. You. And uh, do you have any podcast, Facebook page, or social media page, or website you'd like to promote and share with our listeners? Oh, yeah. Uh, for uh, If you want to know more about my work in my constituency, for example, and if you want to, to know more about the information, what I've been doing in Parliament, you can visit my website at www.martinmanurung.id Okay. So 
So you can see all my activism in there and how do I do my work in this time of pandemic? It's also there. We'll also and be, be healthy. Yeah. Stay healthy. Yes, exactly. We'll also be posting Martin's social media accounts and links on Facebook or in other social yes. media platforms on the uh, on the podcast site itself. So again, thank you, Martin, for, thank you, Carlo. for joining us. Thank you. And that was the podcast. You can listen to us on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and Radio Public. You can learn more about Sockdem Asia and our latest events and activities by visiting our website at SockdemAsia.com or like and follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash SockdemAsia. If you wish to share your thoughts on this episode or past episodes, or suggestions for future ones, just send us an email at secretariat at sockdemasia.com.